Okay, everybody, welcome back to our Sheer. We're back online. I keep looking at the Chalent picture on the screen. We're back online, and they, uh, we've been learning consistently, uh, I think this is the 15th or 16th Sheer, inside the text of Kutimaran. And of course, when it learn, comes to Torah Saponimius, when it comes to learning the secrets of the Torah, it always coincides with what's happening in the real time in our life. It's, it's, it's just amazing how that happens. And we had just finished learning the Kudas Tovos. And given the situation that we're in, I wanted to start learning about the topic of Hespoididus. Uh, Hespoididus uh, classically means personal prayer. And hopefully through the next few shirim we'll highlight, we'll highlight the idea of Hespoididus. And in tonight's shir, the first part is going to be about the idea, the concept of Hispoididus. And then the second part of the shir is going to be practical Hispoididus, more hands-on. What does it mean for me in my life and how to actually do it? While the third part of the shir is going to be the Parsha connection. For those who attend the Smichas Chaver program, every week Rav Yada gives a Parsha connection. So now we're going to have a Parsha connection as well with Parsha's Parshas HaChodesh. Uh, so, uh, we're going to also learn, additionally, we're going to learn a little bit from Sipuri Maisius, Rabbi Nachman's story, the Baal We're going to learn a little bit from Lakutim inside on Tefillah. And we're going to learn a little bit from Sicha Saran, again about Hispoididus. And I think the idea of Hispoididus uh, couldn't be more relevant than what we're all struggling with now. And hopefully through this we could find Chizuk for ourselves, get a deeper uh, relationship with God. Obviously, that's the purpose of all of Odes Hashem. And hopefully we could feel more hopeful and have more insight into things in our lives. I'm not going to attempt to understand or answer why Hashem put us in this situation. But what I do know is that the implications of this is that we're in isolation. Which means Hispoded, Mitboded, Right? The word hitbodidut comes from the word, the Pasuk in Yirmiya, Eicha, Eicha Yashva Badad. Eicha Yirmiya Hanavi, he sat by himself. He was alone. Eicha Yashva Badad. Meaning there was tragedy going all around Yirmiya Hanavi. There was devastation. The base Hamikdash was destroyed. And Yirmiya opens up his Megillah, and he, of Megillah's Eicha, and says, uh, how could it be that I could sit all alone? So already we see the word hispoididis, the word for personal prayer, for personal tefillah means alone, isolation. Or as the term, I wonder, uh, it's probably one of the most used terms on social media now, is quarantined. Which means a person's in quarantine is they're totally isolated, they're badad. How could it be that we ended up in isolation? Which was Yirmiya, who was... Uh, that's what he was saying, Eicha Yashva Badad. How could it be that everything was so glorious and now we're all in isolation? But again, when it comes to learning Rabbi Nachman, he has a way of flipping things on its head and he shows us the good even within the tragedy. And hopefully we'll touch on that tonight through learning what Rabbi Nachman wrote, what Rabbi Nachman wrote about Hispoididus. And for uh, everyone here, I'm not going to harp on the bad. I think uh, we're all aware of everything that's going on. And Hopefully people will find chizuk in this, and more than finding chizuk in it, that's certainly one thing to feel more hopeful, but to actually, by the end of this class, and these classes that we're going to be developing, to actually go out and start practicing hitpodidut, 
personal prayer. And we're, again, first we're going to talk about the idea and concept, then we're going to talk about practical, and then we're going to have a Parsha connection. And next week, Amir Tashem, we'll touch on some of the more deeper and complicated sources. And for now, I just wanted to break it open. Also, given the time constraints here and uh, the me getting used to technology, even though I usually am pretty tech savvy, uh, I didn't, uh, for future weeks, I would like to be able to post the text actually on the screen. Because some of you do have a Lakutim Aran, you'll be able to look inside for those. But you might not have everything that I have, so this is an inside shear. So in the meantime, you're just going to have to bear with it. And again, I apologize for the lack of dissemination of texts for everyone. So first I wanted to start already with Rabbi Nachman Sipuri Maisius. Rabbi Nachman told stories. One of the things he said about his stories is, the world tells stories to put people to sleep, but I tell stories to wake people up. And he told 13 stories known as his Sipuri Maisius, his ancient stories, stories, ancient tales. And actually, when he printed them, his uncle, uh, was Rav Baruch Memezbush, didn't want uh, the stories to be printed. He said, the world's not ready for these stories. They contain the secrets of Kabbalah. They contain the secrets of the universe. And you shouldn't print them. But Rav Nassim, as Rav Nassim write, what can I do? As Rav Nachman said himself, what can I do? After all, aren't there many stories in the world? So if I add another few stories to the world, what's the big deal? Right? So we have in the beginning over here, this 12th story called the Master of Prayer, also known as the Baal I'm going to read the first just part of it inside. And this will hopefully touch on, on really kind of the root of what it means to be in isolation. What it means, oh, we have someone to support Maisius over here. Incredible. Rabbi Nachman's stories. Here's my copy. I'm going to be reading it in English over here, right? And uh, which really touches on the root of what it means, despite this, what it means to be in quarantine, what it means to be in isolation. And again, we view this as a bad thing, but hopefully through the eyes of the tzaddikim, through the eyes of Rabbeinu, through the eyes of the tzaddik, we'll be able to really understand this in a deeper level and add some joy to all this, even though I'm sure we all go back and forth. Uh, but whatever hope we could grab onto, whatever thing we could do, is surely will go a long way. Will go a long way for us. Oh, we got Binyamin on the line. What's up, Binyamin? Nice. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna jump right in. Uh, I'm just gonna read in English. Once there was a prayer, a uh, master of prayer in Hebrew. That's the Baal Tefillah. He was constantly engaged in prayer and singing songs and praises to God. He lived away from civilization. However, he would visit inhabited areas on regular basis. When he came, he would spend time with the people, usually those of low status, such as the poor. He would have heart-to-heart -heart discussions with them, speaking about the goal, the tachlis. He would explain that the only true goal was to serve God all the days of one's life, spending one's days praying to God and singing his praise. He would speak to an individual at great length, motivating him so that his words enter the other's heart, and the individual would join him. As soon as a person agreed with him, he would take him and bring him to this his place away from civilization. For this purpose, the master of prayer, the Baal had chosen for himself a place far from civilization. There was a river flowing there as well as fruit trees, whose fruit he and his followers would eat. He was not at all concerned about clothing. Okay, so it opens up, there was a Baal who was constantly engaged in tefillah, a personal prayer. He would sing songs to God, 
and he was very removed from everyone. He was totally alone by himself. But every once in a while, frequently actually, he would go to the city where people lived, right? And over there, he'd try to speak to the lowest person, right? And he would say, you know, there's a purpose of this life. There's a purpose of this world. And, you know, the main thing is to spend all your days serving God, singing to Him, davening to Him. And he would go to each person trying to motivate him and trying to arouse this person's heart desires. And eventually, if the person consented, that person that the Baal Tfil was to would come back. For this purpose, the master of prayer had chosen for, oh, right? And it, this place was far away from civilization. It was the custom of the master of prayer to visit inhabited areas and spread his ideas, convincing people to emulate him, serving God and constantly praying. Whenever people wanted to join him, he would take them to his place away from civilization where their only activities would be praying, singing praise to God, confession, fasting, self-mortification, repentance, and similar occupations. He would give them his books of prayers, songs, praises, and confessions, and they would occupy themselves with them at all times. So again, the Baal would go in and he'd pull people out and he'd try to convince people of his ideas of the true tachlis, of the true purpose. Among the people he brought there, he would find individuals who had the ability to leave others to serve God. He would allow such individuals to visit and inhabit places and also bring people to serve God. So he started training other people underneath him to be qualified to go in and pull people out from the illusion of life. In this manner, the master of prayer constantly spread his teachings. He would constantly attract people and bring them away from civilization. So because he was able to develop a following of students, of like-minded people, they too were able to spread this tzaddiks, this Baal Tfilah's uh, teachings in order to again pull people away, to point them to the true meaning and tachlis of life. Eventually, his teachings began to make an impression, and his activities became well known. People would suddenly vanish without a trace. No one knew where they were. A person might lose a son, a son or a son-in-law and have not any idea of his whereabouts. But finally, people began to realize that all this was due to the master of prayer, who was attracting people to serve God. So he was so successful, people started vanishing. They went to his civilization on the other side of town, his civilization that was isolated for other people to serve God, and people started wondering, hey, where'd my son go? Where'd my son-in-law go? People tried to capture him. Right? They actually wanted to capture the Baltfila, but it was impossible to recognize him. The master of prayer devised clever plans, and he would constantly disguise himself in different ways. Every time he visited a person, he would be disguised differently. With one person, he would be a pauper, with another, a merchant, while with others, he would have different disguises. So he was constantly changing his clothing to disguise his true identity. This way, he'd be able to take out even the lowest of people and no one be able to capture him. Parenthetically, I once saw in the Toldos Yaakov Yosef, it says by Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, Hashem told Moshe, Leich raid el ha'am. Go down and tell the nation. Why does it say Leich go and raid even further? So the, uh, the Toldos Yaakov Yosef explains that Hashem was telling him, Leich, go down, but then raid. Then change your clothing. Look different so this way you're able to be Makari of the people. For one person you need to appear this way, and for the other person you need to appear another way. So you see it was the same with the Tzaddik, the Baal Tefillah, that would go in and pull people out. He was constantly disguising himself. This way people wouldn't recognize his true identity. 
On many occasions when he spoke to people, he saw that he could not make an impression on them and cannot draw them to his goal. He would then engage in subterfuges so they would not be aware of his intention. It would appear that his intent was not at all to bring people to God. It was totally impossible to recognize that this was his purpose, although his main intent was only to draw people close to God, and this was his entire motivation. Whenever he saw that he was not making any impressions, he would use roundabout ways so that the person would not recognize his true intent. So again, if people were on to him, he'd be like, no, let's just talk about sports and the Yankees and uh, real estate. He would diverge the conversation in such a way where people wouldn't even know his true intent because he was slowly planting seeds. The master of prayer kept this up until he began to make a major impression on the world. He also became quite famous. People tried to capture him, but it was not possible. So again, he became more and more known about the Baal Tfilah, the master of prayer. Right? The master of prayer and his men lived far away from civilization. They would spend their time engaged only in prayer, song, praise to God, confession, fasting, self-mortification, and repentance. The system of the master of prayer was to provide each of his followers with what he needed. If he realized that one of his followers, according to that follower, follower's mentality, needed to wear golden robes in order to serve God, in order to serve God, then he would provide them for him. On the other hand, occasionally he would attract a wealthy person and bring him away from civilization. If he understood that he needed to wear torn, humble clothing, he would instruct him to do so. This was the general custom. He would provide each one with what he understood to be necessary for him. For the people he attracted to God, fasting and self-mortification were better and precious than all worldly enjoyments. They would have greater pleasure from fasting or self-mortification than from all the worldly pleasures. So we're going to stop here in the Baltzfila because it totally takes a, a turn, an amazing turn in this story. But basically we see that there was the Tzaddik who's the Baltzfila. We learned in our last classes that Rabbi Nachman said, who's considered a Baltzfila? Who's considered a Shlech Tzibor? That's someone who's able to find all the good, all the Nekudas Tovos. So you see there was this Tzaddik called the Baal Tefillah who was telling people, finding the good, even the lowest person, and he would go in and he'd spend as much time as he needed to convince people of the Tachlis of this world. He'd say the main thing in this world is to talk to Hashem in personal prayer. The main thing in this world is to come close to the Creator. The main tachlis of everything we find in life is to dive into the Rabboni Shalom. And not only that, they, it says over here that they would have greater pleasure from this than anything in the entire world. That their entire oneg, their entire enjoyment of life came from Avodah Hashem, specifically from Tevila. So we've seen already an amazing, amazing idea about Hitpodidut, Hitpodidus, isolation. That it's not only that a person's supposed to take time and talk to Hashem every day and speak to God in your own words, which we're going to learn more about, but it's that the Rebbe wanted people to live a life of isolation, a life of quarantine, a life of Hitpodidus, a life with a singular purpose that's absolutely dedicated to the Ratzon Hashem. That it's not only that we just do mitzvahs. I put tefillin on, I make brachas, we go to school, now we don't go to school, we do a little bit of this, we do a little bit of that. The Rebbe wanted that a person's entire life should be a matzav of hispoididus. It should be a matzav of isolation, a matzav of quarantine, that a person, the kivun, the direct orientation of their life, 
is the purpose of life, the tachlis of life, which is to come close to God. So we already see that this this is really this is really an amazing thing because here we're stuck here nowadays and we're like, oh great, we need to get out into the real world. We need to operate. And I myself, I am every uh, complaint that I make, I am guilty of myself. I'm no greater than anyone else. That's for sure. And obviously we're all struggling with this. But what Rabbi Nachman's showing us, what personal prayer really is, what this is, it's not only about talking to Hashem, but it's about living a life that is completely dedicated and isolated to Hashem, much like we find ourselves with the opportunity to do, uh, to do right now. And this is what it means that we started with Echa Yashvod Badad, that he, he sat, Yirmi Hanavi sat in isolation, wondering, Echa, Ayeka, right? Aye, Aye Mikom Kivodo, where are you, Rabona Sholom? Where are you in all this? Okay, I hope that was helpful to everyone so far. And that's an amazing thing. Now, I wanted to learn now uh, a little bit more hands-on in Lakut Maran. The second Chalik in Lakut Maran, for those of you who have Lakut Maran, it's divided into two sections. Lakut Maran, which is the first Chalik, and then the second Chalik, the letters start over again. It's called Lakut Maran Tinyana. And this is going to be more on the practical end about doing Hispaitidus. And we're going to go through this. It's a little bit of a long paragraph but this is I feel like this is a little bit about the about the how to how to and we'll talk about practical practical etzis okay if you have your Likud Maran it's in the second Chalek lesson 25 Chavhei Hitbodidut uh, hu maila elyona ugudola min hakol okay Hispodidus personal prayer isolation is a great thing and greater than anything on earth. Ugadola min hakol. Ha hispoididus. Humayla elyona ugadola min hakol. Doing personal prayer is greater than anything on earth. Like we just saw in the Baal Tefillah, these people found such oneg and, and, and delight in doing personal prayer that to them it was greater than any of the worldly pleasures. The Hainu. Now, what does he mean? Now, these are very lofty levels, certainly. But he says to establish yourself every day, at least an hour to be in isolation, to be in quarantine, by yourself in a room or in a field. And we'll come back to explaining. We'll come back to some of the more harder points here. And to express yourself between yourself and the Creator with excuses and rationalities, with words of chen that we learned about in Torah Aleph, for those that have been here, that, and words of delight. And to speak out and plead in front of God. That you should bring us close to us, bring us close to Him in truth. It's funny, it's like we daven three times a day, standardized tefillah, but you often wonder, like, who are we speaking to? You know, who, who in the world are we talking to? Is it just another, we got another funny background on the computer? <laughs> well, we often wonder, who are we speaking to and who are we talking to? 
we're davening, but are we actually talking to God? So here Rabbi Nachman is saying, every day you should speak and talk to God. It's like I always think about, like, how do you build a relationship with someone? Tani is really distracting the background. Thank you. It's funny, though. We need Mili Deshtuta. Okay, a, uh, so the question is, is how do you how do you build a relationship without speaking to someone, right? You have to speak to them. It's the same thing. You got to speak to God. And this type of tefillah should be in the language that you're regularly speaking. In that time it was Yiddish, but now it would be English. Because in Hebrew it's very hard to articulate yourself. And also your words aren't drawn after, your heart's not drawn after your words because you're not used to speaking that language. Because we're not used to speaking Hebrew. But in English or Hebrew, what we're used to speaking about, and it's easier to break your heart and to and it's closer to us, because that's what we're used to speaking. And in our regular vernacular, we're able to tell God everything that's on our minds and heart. Regret and tshuva on the past. And requests and supplications that Hashem should draw us close from now and going on. And every person according to their level. Right? And every day a person needs to accustom themselves to do this for one hour and the rest of the day be happy. Now, I want to touch on this one hour point over here. And uh, obviously one hour is very, very difficult for a lot of people. But if you take five minutes every day and talk to God, no cell phones, no safer, no distractions, nothing, no background noise, and you just talk to God facing the wall or in a room by yourself, sitting in a chair when you're not exhausted. <laughs> Take some of your prime time energy and sit there and talk to God if you do it. Certainly anytime you speak to God, but if you make a practice out of it, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour, it's just like working out. You don't go lift out 100 pounds right away. Halavai, uh, I don't work out, but I should work out. Hey, uh, but you don't go working out, lifting heavy weights right away. You gradually increase. But the main thing is, pick a time, every single day and do it. That means Fridays, Shabbos, Yom Tovim. Pick a time and do it every single day. If you're able to do an hour, you know, but I find for most people, just pick a certain amount of time that you're going to do. We have so much time by ourselves in and Hashem forced us all into Hispaididis. Hashem forced us all into a matzah of isolation from one another. So if we could put down our cell phones for a few minutes, and of course I'm talking to myself as well, and sit there and talk to God. Another thing is that they say a story from Rav Levi Yitzchak Bender. He was one of the Gedolim in Breslov of the previous generation. And Rav Levi Yitzhak Bender used to say, and I'll just preface this, is that Rabbi Nachman explains, we know that there's a rule in uh, the courts here on earth called double jeopardy. 
which means you're not allowed to get tried for the same crime twice. So Rabbi Nachman explains that when there's judgment down here on earth, there's no judgment in Shemayim. So when you get donned here on earth, you don't get, you can't get tried for the same crime twice. So when you, a person does tshuva and they judge themselves in a certain way during hispoididus, so they don't get tried for that when they go upstairs, when they go to Shemayim. So you see, it comes out that Rev. Levi Yitzhak Bender used to say that if you want to go upstairs after Meir Esrim and they open up the ledger and they start looking, oh, Averis Mitzvahs, Averis Mitzvahs, they start looking, and it's completely blank slate, slate, totally clear, what do you do? He says, that's when a person does display to this every day. Because when you do tshuva and you do charata on your Averis and everything that you did and you took time to speak to God every day in your own words, so when you get upstairs, double jeopardy. You were already judged yourself here on earth. So when you get upstairs, the ledger is going to be totally, totally clean. Okay, I see people are asking questions. Tani, go. So what would be a minimum amount of time to try first photos and how should you start? Like what could you say? Okay, so we're going to come back to that, some of the more practical aspects of it. But I think five minutes, everyone has to know themselves because sometimes when you take on too much. Oh, I'm going to do 45 minutes every day. You don't do any. Tefasta maruba lo tefasta. So as Tani, we learned with Nikudas Tovas, Rabbi Nachman said a little bit's also good. So try to take upon five minutes. I'm committing myself to this as well. And uh, to talk to God every day in your own words. Five minutes on the clock. And the amazing thing is, is that you're going to find that it is very hard to do. It's going to be the longest five minutes of your life. And you're going to be like, five minutes talking to God? And for many people, myself included, is that uh, it becomes very, very hard. And it causes us to question our relationship with Hashem. Like we're doing mitzvahs all day long, learning Torah, learning the daf, doing everything. But then when it comes actually to having an open, honest conversation with God, so it becomes, it becomes almost awkward. It becomes, uh, it becomes a very difficult thing for people. So anything could be scaled back to a conversation. You can say, Hashem, I'm sitting here. I have nothing to say. I feel awkward. God, I've never spoken to you in my, in my entire life. I've had a dollar three times a day and I make brachas. You could say it anyways, anything. Hashem, I'm preparing myself to speak to you. And we're going to get to how even silence is okay in a spite of this. Uh, Hold on, I see people are asking questions. Let me see. Still here, just got tired of looking at my face. Okay, what is the minimum amount? Stunning, no doubt, no double judgment concept is so awesome and rewarding. Okay, thank you for the thank you for the positive feedback. Of course. Shaya, got a question. Yeah. Benjamin, what's up? What, what, any particular time of day is better for supposed to do this? Okay. When you wake up, when you're going to sleep. Smack in the middle. Okay, so I'll tell you like this. Uh, Rabbi Nachman explains in Torah, I think it's Nun Aleph in the first Chalik, and hopefully we'll learn that inside. It's his, one of his famous pieces on his spot. He did this called Haneor Balayla. A person should stay up all night and speak to God, right? Certainly Tikkun Chatzos as well is an opportune time to do that. But obviously we're talking about levels here. So if you're going to do it at night and you're white and exhausted, 
better to do during the day when you have fresh energy, right? Even Davra Melech, what did it say, right? Chatzotz Laila Akum, right? I get up in the middle of the night, Vayira Es HaShachar, and I arouse the Shachar. I get up before dawn, but the Shachar is not Ma'orer Me, which means Davra Melech got up so early in the middle of the night that he himself would wake up the Shachar star because he was engaged in personal tefillah. But I would say, practically, for the layman like me and you, to try to take a time when you're actually able to do, and that's going to look different for different people's schedules. But certainly, a uh, certainly at nighttime, Rebbe Nachman spoke about. It. He also spoke about in another lesson, which we'll get to, about doing it in the field during the springtime. This is what's called siach hasade, the vegetation and the sprouts of the field. I Means siach hasade that when you go to talk in the field, like Yitzchak was lasuach hasade, he was talking in the field. Then all the siach sarfei kodesh, all the all the vegetation in the field, Sicha, they come and they speak with you as well. So those are good times. But certainly having a room, like Rabbi Nachman says here, or if some people don't have a room, uh, any place that you could find that's quiet. Parenthetically, it should be mentioned that Reb Nussin, I heard this from one of my Rebbe's, Rabbi Rothman, that he told me Reb Nussin, in his letters, one of the things that he writes about in his letters very often is that how he didn't have a room. At one point he was living with his in-laws, and he didn't have a room, and he writes, I'm so troubled, I didn't have a room, I don't have no place to go, I had a room, I didn't have a room, I used to have a room, and he talks about having a room. And, <clears throat> Baruch Hashem, I'm in my house to have a, have a room for myself, it's my office, but I'm able to do this, but did this here, and learn here, and it's a very good thing. So if you have a room, uh, that's, that's also good. It also should be mentioned, what we started with, that we're also talking about not only personal prayer, which we 100% mean, talking to Hashem, but living a life of isolation, talking, living your life that's oriented, mavatl to the rotzon of Hashem. Hope that answers some of the questions. And this Amir Tashem will get clear as we, as we learn about this. Okay, weiter. So he says you should take time and the rest of the day you could be happy. And, and doing this is great. And it's very good practical advice to come close to God. This is the a general advice, right? It incorporates everything. It incorporates relationship with God. It incorporates tefillah. It incorporates cheshbon and nefesh. It incorporates avas Hashem. It incorporates yiras Hashem. Hashem. Anything that is lacking in your service of God, or if you feel completely far from Hashem, on everything, speak to God. One of the first times Reb Nassim met Reb Nachman, Reb Nassim, he didn't have shoelaces in his shoes. And he showed up and Reb Nachman's like, uh, did you daven for shoelaces? And Reb Nassim was like, shoelaces? Like, he didn't want to bother God uh, for shoelaces. And Reb Nachman said, even the shoelaces in your face, even the shoelaces, which means there's nothing too small or trivial that you could talk to God about. After all, isn't it God to begin with who put you in that situation? But so many times we feel, no, I'm bothering God. God's got other things to worry about. God has so many 
different things he's got to worry about. Me, I'm talking about my shoelaces. I'm going to talk to him about this. I'm going to talk to him about that. I'm going to talk to him about all these things. No, but even the shoelaces. There's nothing too small that you can't articulate yourself to talk to Hashem. There's nothing too small at all. It's not called bothering to Hashem. Okay, we're gonna come. We're gonna also come back to all these points, and it's gonna circle around. And Amir Tashem, uh, all this. It's pretty. It's pretty straightforward, also. So it's not okay. And even at times, your words get totally shut down, and you're not able to express yourself in front of God. Like you're sitting there, and you're like, "Ah, which way did it go, Doc? Which way did it go?" And you have nothing at all to say but nevertheless this itself is very good just the very fact that you prepared yourself to sit in front of God and that you desire and you're yearning to speak to God even though you're not able to this too is very good and you can, and from this, you could also turn this into a tefillah, right? And on this itself, you could talk to Hashem. That you've distanced yourself so far. Until you find yourself, you could talk to Hashem that you're not able to speak and that you've distanced yourself so far from God that you can't even open your mouth. Right? That you're not able to express yourself and articulate your words from God. So what does this mean? It means you're sitting there and you're like, Hashem, I can't believe I have nothing to say to you. I can't believe I don't even know what to talk about. Hashem, I wish I was able to be a bit tzaddik and tell you everything that's on my mind. But the truth is, I don't really believe in you. I don't really believe that you're listening. I don't really believe that you're gonna change the world for my tefillahs. And I struggle with this, Hashem. And day in and day out, I try my hardest, but it seems like I'm not succeeding. So please help me, open me up, draw me close to you, so that one day I could be a tzaddik. And one day I could come close to you. And one day, my tefillahs will flow like the big tzaddikim, like almost all of, te- all of Tehillim primarily is David's, his this, his conversations between him and the Rabboni Shalom that he wrote down for us to be able to pray. And it's certainly I'm not on the level of David, but I'm not on the level of anyone because I have nothing to say to you. I find it so hard, and the second that I sit down, I have to go to the bathroom, I get hungry, I get distracted, and I get really, really important things that I need to do right at that moment. This Justin, I have a really important work thing, or marketing thing, or business thing, or my wife really needs me, or I didn't learn the daf today, that's very important, which it is, you should learn the page. But we automatically get distracted, so Hashem, please, remove me from distracted, from, from these distractions. There's... There's an amazing story. There's an amazing story of I've I've shared this story before. It's it's one of my favorite hispoidus uh, mices. I believe it's uh, Rav Nassin had a student. I think it's Rav Nachman of Tolchin, known as the Tolchiner. I think it was the Tolchiner at least. Uh, I think the Tolchiner was a very simple student of Rav Nassin. 
And Rav Nassim one day was around uh, a lot of big Talmidei Chachamim and Reisha Yeshiva in his time. And each one of those Reisha Yeshiva, each one of those Talmidim were bragging, uh, each one of the Reisha Yeshiva were bragging to one another about how great their students are, how much uh, superior their Talmidim are. Uh, to one another. One guy finished Shas, and another guy did this, and another guy, that, they were bragging about their students' accomplishments. So Rav Nussin's, com- Rav Nussin's comeback was incredible. Rav Nussin said, I have a student, Rav Nachman of Tolchin, who could say the word Verbona Sha'olam a thousand times. That was his comeback. He could say Verbona Sha'olam a thousand times in a row. Right? God. 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 Verbona Sha'olam. Hashem, if we really knew even what saying the word Hashem means, that every time we're calling on the tachlis of the world, we're calling on the Creator, the one that everything is in His hands, and that when we call it, you know, who knows, just the word Rabboni Shalom affects thousands and thousands of worlds. And Rav Nassim was bragging that I have a student who could say Rabboni Shalom over a thousand times in a row. What's there to add to that? There's nothing to add to that. It's incredible. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am God. You're God. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. What's there? The beautiful, sweeter than anything. Sweeter than anything. But it all comes from isolation. It all comes from quarantining. Every day you have to take time and quarantine yourself to speak to God and say, I can't do anything right now. I got five minutes. Right now I got ten minutes. Right now I got 20 minutes, right? And every day, speak to God in your own words. Vida, and you should know. And there are so many famous and well-known tzaddikim that taught, They only came to their level. They came to their level of tzikis only through personal prayer. And a person needs to understand on their own how great this actually is. That goes above, higher than high. And it's nefesh, meaning anyone could do this. A little child. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to know anything. You don't have to be learned. You don't have to be Jewish. Right? You, anyone could talk to God. Mikoton Valgodo from small to big. Kikulam Yecholum Linhog Hanhagazu. Any individual is able to do this. There's no one who can't talk to God. And through this you could come to a great level. Praiseworthy is the person who grabs this Eitza of personal prayer of Hispoididus, of talking to God every single day. Okay, I want to, we have one more piece, but I want to open it up to questions, if this is practical. I also want it to be practical, because uh, although it's good to learn about, it's also important that we speak out some of the the practical points. So does anyone have any, anyone have any questions, questions, comments, letter to the editors? You could type it in, or you could speak up and unmute yourself. Anyone? No biters. So, 
a uh, feel free to interrupt if you if you have something to say. Uh, I once heard on a Rebbe Rosenfeld tape Zatzal. Uh, he was also one of the leading uh, wrestler tzaddikim of the previous generation. And I once heard him say on a tape, I'm totally going to mess this line up, but I once heard uh, him say on a tape that if a person wants to learn Torah every day, it'll be difficult, he'll be distracted, but if he perseveres, if he breaks through the distractions, he'll be successful. If a person wants to raise money for a building and for Talmud Torah, he says, it will be very, very difficult. You'll find yourself with more time to learn Torah but if you break through, you'll be able to learn Torah and raise money for charity. He goes, it will be very difficult, but you'll be able to do it. If you decide you want to do this and talk to Hashem every day, you'll find yourself with plenty and ample of time to learn Torah and collect money for a building. <laughs> Which means, as the Gemara in Brachas tells us, What are the things that stand on the heights of this world, but people denigrate them? That's the world of Tefillah. Now we all know to talk to God, but how many of us actually do it? How many of us actually take the time every day to sit and talk to God about whatever it is that's on our mind? Even the very fact that you sit there silently as the Rebbe is explaining is okay because you're prepared to talk to Hashem. I once saw from the Mahabit, one of the Rishonim, uh, I could find the source for you later, I just would need to look it up, when he was talking about the, uh, uh, I think it's Ma, the Mahabit in Beis Elohim or Beis, Sefer Beis Elokeinu, that he, talk, he was talking about uh, different kavanas that a person has in front of God, uh, lowest level kavana tefillah. One of the things that he, that the Mabit explained was even just standing there in front of God. Nothing to say, not even talking. I'm just standing there. Muchan and Mazuman, Omeid Lifnei Hashem. Da Lifnei Mi Ata Omeid. I'm just standing there in front of God. Even if you find yourself without the wherewithal, even if you find yourself without the ability to speak, just to speak in front of Hashem. Okay, now we're moving on to... Sorry, I think that's one of the issues is, is it's good to, to make yourself vulnerable and open up to Hashem so people find other things to do. It's scary to open yourself up to Hashem, yeah. That's true. It's scary to make yourself vulnerable. It's scary to admit to yourself that that I know you're supposed to start thinking Hashem, but after that sometimes it feels like we are complaining. Is that really what Hashem wants to hear from us? Sometimes it feels like okay. Let's let's talk about that. that's a that's that's a really really good question, and I think it should be fleshed out more. So the question is is like I know you're supposed to start by thinking, but sometimes I feel like complaining. Okay, so let's talk about this. Good question. Hey, uh, there's hispoida. This by definition is unstructured. You do not need to have a structure of hispoida. This it's totally totally freelance. You do not now. Some people find it helpful to have a structure, like Rav Arush writes in some of his books to have a, a structure. Do like this. Spend ten minutes thinking. Ten this 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 that yet right. But that being and that's only if a person finds it helpful. Some people don't find that helpful. So if you feel like screaming, ah, like in the Yar Yerushalayim, scream. If you feel like 
thinking, think. If you don't feel like thinking, you don't have to think. The idea is to have a real vibrant connection and a deeper relationship with God. And sometimes you could even turn anything into a tefillah if you scale it back. God, I know I'm supposed to thank you, but I have nothing to thank you. I, I, know, I'm, I know I'm supposed to thank you, but I don't really feel like thanking you. I, and I know I'm not supposed to complain to you, but I'm full of complaints. Help me feel not complainful. And I know that I have this complaint and I have that complaint and express them and articulate them and take them, take your worst Hashem. As it says, Take from yourself your words and bring them to God. Bring them to God. Right? So you don't have to feel bad about complaining to Hashem. Now, I would say, I would say that being said, though, uh, that there is an Indian that you shouldn't complain to God also. I don't want to just totally whitewash it and make it like, don't complain to God at all. You know, there is a thing that you shouldn't complain to God. And Rav Nussin writes this, that if you're just asking, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, he says that's like, uh, he brings from the Zohar, the Nefesh Echayim brings this as well. It says like Havli, it's like you're like a dog begging for food. And there definitely are levels of tefillah. One is asking for your needs. And we'll talk about that. We could definitely talk about the levels of tefillah in another another shear. But the most basic level is asking for your needs. The second is asking through your needs that's connected to Torah, which is Hashem, uh, give me parnasa so I could send my kids to yeshiva, which are closed. And a uh, the third is Hashem, help me learn uh Help me be Makayim what I learned Torah. So if you learn a Sugya in Gemara, or you learn a Halacha, or you shear, Hashem, help me uh, daven for that. And then there's, as Rav Nassim says, the higher levels of Tefillah, which is to be Makayim Torah as well, which is the Yom Nuraim Tefillah, the Kol Barata, right? Uh, spread your fear on the world, put your Pacha down on the world, right? These are higher levels of Tefillah, Yiskadav, Yiskadash, Keser, Yitnulacha, Naritzra, Venakdisha, Nakdishacha, right? Higher level tefillahs from not only our tefillahs pointing up to Hashem, but asking for Hashem's needs top down. So it's not only about diving for your, for your own needs, but the higher level tefillahs again are for Hashem's needs in the world, right? Umlocha, Kola, Aretz, Kulo. Hashem, show the world your kingship. Show the world everything that's happening. So there's definitely higher levels of view, but you should know, and I want to be unequivocally clear about this, if you feel like complaining to God because that's the pain that's on your heart, go for it. Don't hold back. And say, Hashem, I feel guilty doing this. Help me not feel guilty. I know you're the one who listens. You're Atashomea Tfilas Kolpeh. You listen to the tefillah of every individual. There's no one that Hashem doesn't listen to. So certainly you could bring that you could bring that to God also. I hope that shed a little clarity for uh, Riva, who asked that question. I hope that was helpful. Uh, now we're going to move on over here to... We're going to move on over here uh, to Sicha Saran, uh, Lesson 41, Ois Mem Aleph. Okay? Uh Lev nishbar va'atzvus eno inyan echad klau ki lev nishbar who believe, right? A broken heart and depression are two separate things completely. A broken heart is in the heart. 
As Rav Shlomo Karach used to say, there's nothing more whole than a broken heart. It's different than depression. It's different than sadness. Aval atzvus hu But atzvus comes, I think, the tchul's the liver, or the kidneys. But depression that comes from the liver or the kidneys uh, comes from the other side and God does not like it. But a broken heart. Mem Aleph. No problem. 41. Uh. In the printing that I have, it's uh, four, five lines down. It's in this one. Okay. Aval lev nishbar hu chaviv lefnei Hashem yisparach ki lev nishbar yakar maod maod be'en of yisparach. But a broken heart is so beloved and precious to God; it's so valuable in the eyes of God. Right? If you feel broken, that's a good thing. I once saw. In the a, uh, I once saw in Reb Leibule Eger in the Torah's MS. So he, he says an amazing thing. It says when Yaakov he went to trick uh, his father Yitzchak to get the brachas, he dressed up as Esav. Yaakov dressed up as Esav, and it, it says Yitzchak smelt the reach bugdov. He smelt the 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 uh, smell of Yaakov's clothing, which means. He, he smelt that he was being tricked. He smelt something was up here because Yaakov had dressed up as Esav. So Chazal Darshan Bogdov, the smell of his clothing, Reach Bogdov, the smell of treachery. Right? That something deeper was going on. So Reb Eger explains in the most beautiful and the sweetest, the sweetest ways. The whole shir is worth it tonight just for this. Right? He says, what does it mean? He says, inside every Jew there's a beautiful fragrance of Gan Eden. There's a smell of Gan Eden. And Yaakov, he was a Ish Emes. You think he wanted to have to trick his father? So the Emes he was broken hearted that he had to trick his father. So like a perfume bottle, when you snap it, the fragrance comes out. So since Yaakov was tricking his father, it says Yitzchak smelt the Reach Bagdav. He smelt this beautiful smell of Gan Eden that was coming out of Yaakov's broken heart. That he had a lave nishbar and his heart was completely broken and the beautiful fragrance, the beautiful smell of Yaakov Avinu's broken heart was emanating into the room and Yitzchak smelt the scent of Ganeiden that lays inside Yaakov Yisrael's the Jewish nation. That inside every Jewish soul there's a broken heart. Oh, Sichus around 41. Maybe that's an old comment. Putting it in the types. There we go. A, uh, so inside the Jewish heart, there's a reach Gan Eden. There's a there's a beautiful, beautiful smell, and that's the smell of us breaking out. And that's not depression. That's not depression. Depression is fatalistic. Nothing's ever going to work out. I like to think of anxiety as worry about the future, and I, I like to think of depression as living in the past. Right? That you're thinking of the past. Oh, nothing did work out. Nothing is going to work out. Right? Nothing ever worked out. It's not going to work right. It's two different things, but feeling hope, feeling the reach in your heart, right? Feeling that lev nishbar is a totally different thing. Parenthetically, though, parenthetically, if you are feeling down, if you are feeling depressed, uh, it's that's totally normal, also, and that's okay. And you could bring that to Hashem. You could just 
Talk to Hashem. Look what you're depressed about. You're depressed that you feel far from God. You're depressed that you can't do mitzvahs in the optimal way. You're depressed that you want to get your life together and you feel that it's not together. Isn't that a Nakuda Tova? Isn't that an amazing thing? Isn't that a sign of well-being? A sign of health? So again, everything could be flipped for the good. Everything could be turned into a tefillah. And it's not only that, it's good to have a broken heart the entire day. But a lot of people, if they're going to be in a broken heart all day, it could put them into a, into a, a, a little bit of depression. Right, so therefore you should take a set time every day, break your heart to God, have a Lev Nishbar, and the rest of the day be happy. Rely on God, true Amuna. Rely on God. So instead of walking around all day, a little Tzabrachin, a little bit with a Lev Nishbar, right, with that scent of Ganeiden cracked and the perfume leaking out, take time every day, say, this is the time that I'm going to worry, this is the time I'm going to tell God everything, and now the rest of the day you could trust in the Rabboni Shalom. It makes it that easy because you poured your heart out to God, even if it was only for five minutes. But you could feel confident and you could trust in the fact that you broke your heart, your heart to God. And even if you know later in the day, you, you know, let's say you do it in the afternoon or in the midday, whatever it is, you know, I have five minutes set aside every day or at 11 o'clock every day, this is what I do. So you, you have something to look forward to. You're able to uh, isolate, you know, you're able to, uh, looking for a good social work word over here, it's not coming to me right now. You're able to put aside, basically, relegate your sad feelings and your broken heart feelings to a certain time. The rest of the day, Rabbi Nachman says, you could be happy. The rest of the day, you could be happy. And I can tell you from personal experience, this is something I've been practicing for, I've, my relationship display, this is always changing. There are times when I've been able to do ample time and times falling off the wagon and not doing it and times doing it again and acceptance of the emotions. Yes. Eitan, perfect. That we could accept, compartmentalize. Good. I'm getting, I'm getting good. A uh, partial connection. Oh, we got to do the. Par- oh, I didn't realize. Time flew. We got to do the partial connection. Okay. We'll do the quick partial connection over here due to the limited time. Sorry, wasn't paying attention to the time. But in this week's parsha is Parsha Sachodesh. The, we read the power of HaChodesh, HaChodesh HaZelachem, Rosh Chadashim, that is the time of Rosh Chodesh, is the Chiddush of rejuvenation. And as we learned in Lesson Zion, for those who have been following the class, is that Hashem has something called the Koach HaMechadesh, the power of rejuvenation. And one of the things that stop us from doing Hispaidus, of quarantining ourselves voluntarily every single day to talk to God, is that we don't really believe in Hashem's Koach Mechadesh. We don't really believe that Hashem is going to change the world for us. Me, Shia, in 2020, doing everything that I'm up to, is Hashem really going to change the world for me? The answer is no, of course not. Therefore, we don't even begin to daven. But when we see Hashem is renewing the world, we see the message of the Parsha, so what happens is we start to see Hashem's Koach Mechadesh. And when we actually believe Hashem will listen to our tefillah, and Hashem intercedes with the world, and Hashem rejuvenates the world in every situation as He sees fits, 
then we, would, we ourselves will feel a koach achidish to be mechadish in our tefillah, to mechadish in esprididis. But one of the reasons why we really don't daven, one of the reasons why we really don't daven is because we don't really believe that Hashem is going to change the world for us. So when we start taking stock in ourselves, what better time to start is what's going on nowadays and most people are only leaving their homes. I think I went off my block maybe once. Uh, I've been doing most of my sessions from Skype and everything. And they, uh, what better way to practice this, to start believing that Hashem is going to answer our tefillahs than Parshas HaChodesh, HaChodesh Shazel Hachem, Rosh Chadashim, that to believe that Hashem has this koach of Mechadish, the force of rejuvenation, and indeed Hashem is listening to our tefillahs and, will inter- and does intercede on behalf of the world for us. I hope people are filled with a little bit more hope uh, hope in their hearts and a little bit more lighthearted and could talk to God and take all this all this I, I don't know why again I have no idea why you know but if we could start practicing despite this that would be an incredible that would be an incredible thing to to deepen our relationship with God to have a vibrant connection with God which is what we all want anyways at the end of the day and a uh Thank you, everyone, for joining. Special shout-out to Eitan Zeriker for us using his uh, Zoom link over here. Thank you. Kawanichi. And uh, thank you, everybody. Stay safe. Be happy. Try your best. And Tapani the challenge off the hook. Okay, everyone. I'm signing out. No problem, guys. Thank you, everyone, for joining.